We're back! Welcome to No Direction, the Pathfinder News, Reviews, and Interviews podcast. I'm Vanessa Hoskins. And I'm Luis Loza, transmitting live... Live-ish! Live-ish from PaizoCon, <laughs> or at least post-PaizoCon. Hey, we're here at the, uh, um, Double Tree the Doubletree Hotel, Hotel SeaTac, yep. Washington, where PaizoCon has been over for a few hours now. Yes. Uh, but... That means we cannot talk about PaizoCon. I know. Well, we didn't before because we were both so busy running around, like, doing PaizoCon. <laughs> I know we had these grand aspirations of, like, we could do a bunch of interviews in between. Like, there, there was no time. It was no. actually quite busy for the number of people that were here. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, you were very busy because, wouldn't you know it, you were guest of honor. Wait, when did that happen? Uh, the last three days, it turns <laughs> out. I'm sure they were a blur. <laughs> Uh, but it is true. Uh, I am the guest of honor for 2022 PuzzleCon, which actually was really, really cool. I have a lot of imposter syndrome, and so it was kind of weird and one of those things that I didn't believe was true in, even when I was here doing it. It was like, this is a weird dream. Yeah. But it was actually very cool. I got to talk to a lot of people and do a bunch of cool Paizo panels with the cool Paizo people, mm-hmm. which was really fun. What stuff did you get up to? I didn't get to see too many panels, so oh. tell me tell me what you were doing. You were on, were you on any panels? I was on one panel. One panel. Uh, one panels. Uh, so, yeah, I, my panel was Secrets of Galarian, James Jacobs, Eleanor, Farron, and I just answered a bunch of questions about the setting for an hour. So that's always fun, but that's I cool. didn't get to check out any other panel. Well, I did get a chance to check out other panels. I didn't end up checking out a lot of other panels. Right. Mostly because right. a lot of them are talking about stuff I already know. I don't right. really have a reason to go learn about Dark Archive because I know about that book and have that book already available and have had it for many months. So, Wow, rub it in. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you Paizo so, employee. So what were you doing? What were your panels? Oh, I got to talk about uh, Galarian Old and New which is one of the panels mm-hmm. where we basically talked about creating adventures in different times and stuff, and that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, how things have changed a little bit. Um, we, we definitely compared and contrasted a little, and that was just really cool. Um, I got to sort of explain my process as an adventure writer, which I find really boring, and very many people came up, and it was like, that was so interesting. I'm like, I'm talking about outlining, but okay. <laughs> um, and uh, we talked about Punks in a Powder Keg yeah. uh, on the Impossible Lands panel, talking about all the uh, books and adventures and things coming out for that region of Galarian. Mm-hmm. Um, I will note, I, I think we forgot to talk about where the Impossible Lands are, <laughs> uh, which is the east coast of Garund. And includes the nations of Nex, Geb, the Manawais, and Jalmaray. Yes, so. the island of Jalmaray. Um, so that's the Impossible Lands. But uh, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We got a, a listener question here uh, from me. 
Did you play? <laughs> did you play any games while you were here? Uh, I played exactly one game. Yeah. So one of the evenings, I happened to be free, and John Compton and I had been wanting to hang out, spend more time mm-hmm. with each other. I think he's the Paizo employee I've known the longest, so mm-hmm. uh, he, he gave me my first shot at yeah. writing for them and everything. So uh, We ended up playing uh, Pathfinder 301, uh, one of the intro scenarios. I don't remember the name of it, but you can look it up. And that was really fun. Uh, he played this, like... A hobgoblin dance instructor who was like <laughs> this old crotchety lady who would whack you with a stick when you messed it up, you know that type. Mm-hmm. And I played like a try-hard young dancer ballerina sort who used a valley girl accent and was just like trying to impress her master all the time to, mm-hmm. to her own peril. Um, which you know she did go down and almost die, uh, which was kind of hilarious, but. Does a valley girl accent come natural to you? Like, I don't know. Like, I grew, grew up in California, so I actually knew people who talk like this. And, like, <laughs> I don't know. It was, like, not that big of a deal. Like, people just talk like this, and it's not really, like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so that was really fun. Uh, and afterwards, I was exhausted. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's exhausting to be in a game with John, like, whether or not you are PaizoCon guest of honor, right? Like, Yes. He, he's amazing. Because, like, he, he's a very emotive person. Uh, and he just does, like, fantastic voices. And he really leans into it. So he, he's role-playing. There is no shame. He will do whatever to just, like, lean into the character and say silly things and, like, posture and pose. Uh, and it, it makes me laugh so hard. I would usually just like pop out a character because I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, okay, he, he, he's fun. I like John. You ran Delves, right? You got oh. to do some Delves. Uh, in a twist of fate, mm-hmm. uh, I was scheduled to run two Delves. Yeah. Uh, one on Friday and one on Sunday. And in a twist of fate... Shay Snow, who is an editor for Paizo, they were also scheduled to run two Delves, one on Friday and one on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we had the exact same slots. And so when I was setting up for the first one, they came over and were like, "Um, thanks for setting this up for me. No, I'm running the Delve. And they're like, no, I'm running the Delve. And and finally we realized what had happened. And so they just played in my Delve, which was cool. I got to uh, I got to run one of my favorite creatures of the delve, rather than normal goblins and stuff, um, which is a creature called Hobkins. It's a gremlin that almost shares my last name. Uh, so as soon as I saw the name of it, I was like, "What is this creature?" and instantly fell in love. Not just because of the name, but because Hob- uh, Hobkins almost look like gray aliens, mm-hmm. but like those don't exist in Pathfinder. They almost look like gray aliens with these like smooth grayish skin and these big bulbous glowing eyes and stuff and they're really otherworldly and sort of strange but their their uh trademark power is that they can take any attack that's sent toward them that you miss like you miss on an attack um and redirect it somewhere else Mm -hmm. it was amazing to use this at the table because i don't think shay realized what like exactly what this thing's powers were and I used it as, like, the boss of the Delve. And so they get to this thing, 
and the first thing that they do is cast, you know, Kira's fire ray or whatever at it, miss, and it hits Valoros for nearly max damage. And it was like, what is this thing we're fighting? And then they, they finished it off pretty easily. But yeah. that, that moment of surprise mm-hmm. on their face was just was just priceless. And then later, uh, we showed up again at the same time and realized they had the same delve in that time. They ran it, and I just got to play. So that was pretty cool. I didn't have any delve slots. What? So I ended up running two delves, of course. <laughs> uh, okay, of course. That's just how things work. <laughs> I had a, a slot to like help out with the badge. You know, and people checking in and stuff, and uh, I was tagged out because uh, the person that was supposed to run it was like, "I, you know, the game better here. I'll mm. just do this." All right, cool. So I ran it, ran a session, and then the, the second session included a a young girl, little girl that came by with a relative, which was really fun because suddenly the the whole dynamic shifted to like, we got to make sure this little girl has fun. Yeah, she did. Uh, she ended up picking uh, Mauricio as her character decided to stick to the shadows and shoot her short bow from a distance and managed to crit like three or four times. Wow. Uh, and just win outright. Just There will go all the goblins and let's take their treasure because we love treasure. It, this is exciting. And she wanted to keep playing. So we all asked, hey, what, what do you want to do next? I want more treasure. Of course, of course. <laughs> so, so they delved further into the, the dungeon and got a chance to get even more treasure. And by the end of it, after doing like two more crits, um, proclaimed, I'm good at this. Oh. <laughs> That's adorable. It was adorable. <laughs> and I saw that um, she was around playing uh, Delve another day later at the con. So she must have liked it so much that she decided to go back, which is great. Fantastic. Yeah. I think that was the same uh, girl, if I'm not mistaken, um, that has a kobold character and saw uh, Grant and Grady from the, the Gallant Goblin, mm-hmm. those guys, um, saw one of their kobold plushies uh, and and just was like, Mommy, I want one. And she's like, oh, it's theirs. <laughs> and then they heard about it. This is really cute. They heard about it and, and they actually were like, well, we need to find her and give her this. Cobalt, because they had like two or three with them. Yeah. And they're like, we'll just give her one, that's fine. Uh, and then they did, and I was there when they did. And it was so sweet, because uh. they were like, do you like kobolds? And you get this little girl looks sad, like, like it's like, are you teasing me with your adorable kobolds? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, do you want this one? And her face just lit up like, what? Uh. <laughs> You're going to give it to me? It was adorable. So, was so precious. That, that little girl... Assuming it's the same one, both I, of I these, so. both, both of these little girls, if they're, they're two different, turns out that Paizocon, they they win, they won Paizocon. They sure did. Yeah. What else did you do? Um, I chatted with freelancers and coworkers who I hadn't seen in a while, which was very nice, uh, and I got to just hang out. I I I got to meet new employees who haven't been new for six, seven months a year in some cases, but never met in person. Mm. Um, and just got to enjoy the, the vibe of PaizoCon. It's much more different than it was in previous years. Uh, anyone who's ever been to PaizoCon pre-pandemic would know, hey, it is kind of reserved, chill, very mm-hmm. um, down-to-earth. You know, not not very hectic like Gen Con, right? Uh, but if you take that and cut it down to like a tenth of what it normally would be, that's how many people were around, mm-hmm. uh, which was very weird. The very first day on Friday it was yeah. like, no one's here. This is very uh, strange because a lot of folks were working yeah. or hadn't flown in yet or whatnot. Yeah. But so. Saturday, 
which is yesterday based on when we're recording this right now, right. Uh, was much more like the PaisoCon I know. And it was mm-hmm. very nice to, to chat with a lot of people. Right. There, were, there was a gathering where a bunch of tables got pushed together because there were you know, 20 of us or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, that, that was great. It was nice to, to hang out. James Case and I uh, went and, and got together with some people. And when we were done, when they were done hanging out, they're like, oh, we want to go to bed. We realized that we ended up going downstairs. We're like, anyone else hanging out? We still want to hang out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By that time, most of the pies had kind of gone to bed. So, yeah. But it, it was kind of, it was a good time. Yeah, that was definitely a thing, because usually at PaizoCons, there's always that crowd, right, that's going to stay up till 5 in the morning mm-hmm. playing or doing whatever. And so even if you're like, oh, let's go see what's happening at you know 11 at night, 10 at night, yeah. or whatever, you're going to find people gaming. Yeah. And this time it wasn't so much the case. Um, I, I think also I heard from a lot of people being like, yeah, it's a little you know odd to see each other again after so long quarantining and not really going to these events, and everyone just kind of readjust to social situations that used to be second nature. I do appreciate the the hybrid model having a lot of extra tech to make things kind of easier for mm-hmm. people. Um, you know, not everyone wants to come to PaizoCon for any number of reasons, and that includes employees, right? Some people just, it's not the, the environment that they like. Right. But being able to still be part of PaizoCon because they can be on a panel online at home, and stuff like that. It, it's it's great. You know, I, I think it, it works really well. And there's a lot of benefits we've learned about over the past two years about how we can make it more accessible to a lot of people. If you don't mm-hmm. pay 75 bucks to come to PaizoCon, you can still enjoy some of PaizoCon. And that's great. I think more people can get a lot out of it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, since all the panels were streamed online, mm-hmm. uh, rather than trying to have some people live and some people online or some other weird thing, they just said, all right, well, if you're at the convention, there are these recording rooms set aside um, up in the Cascade rooms, if you've ever been here. And there's like, you know, to keep everyone safe, there was one person per room. They would like wipe everything down between users. Uh, and they had your microphone in in, in camera and all that set up for you so you just had to click a link log in and you're done and so that was really neat uh the other thing that they did if you were uh, attending it and wanted to see the panels well well, they're all online (laughs) well they took one of the smaller ballrooms and just turned it into like a viewing theater so they had the big projector uh, and projector screen and seats set up so you could go in and and watch the panels live which is pretty cool and i talked with aaron who's in marketing you know helps run social media and all that stuff uh you know, help put some of that together about how like oh yeah that was cool but i think we can even do it better next time you know because mm-hmm. you, you miss out on that the the option to be at the panel and ask questions and stuff like that in the same sure. way uh so you know and he's, he's talked about i don't know how feasible it is but like getting a mic set up or whatever that you can like get up and ask questions the same way you used to be able to in person at panels and stuff. Yeah, like for, calling in. Yeah, yeah kind of, kind of thing. But we yeah. got a question live from the PaizoCon floor. Yeah, stuff like that. It'd be, it'd be kind of fun if we can pull that out. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that would be actually really cool. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of the panels, yeah, there was a, a lot of stuff revealed at these panels here at PaizoCon. I think if you wanted to hop onto Paizo's Twitch right now, you can probably see. The rebroadcast of those, and I'm sure they'll eventually be up on their YouTube channel eventually, mm-hmm. so you can just watch them individually. You don't have to skip through six hours to find the, right. the panel you want. But I mean, the big thing was Eric Mona opened with a keynote 
that was pre-recorded and kind of gave you the rundown of all the secrets right away so you don't have to wait to be like oh well there's an ap panel on saturday and that's when they're going to reveal the ap and then the rules is going to be on, on sunday and then also there's a banquet and all that stuff we just get all the spoilers out of the way to get people excited and yeah. want to go to these panels to learn more about them exactly right? yes and I think that was good in lieu of the fact that there isn't a banquet. Like, mm-hmm. part of what makes the banquet festive, um, which, for those who are not familiar, PaizoCon usually, or at least in the past, uh, on Saturday night would have a really big banquet in the ballroom. They'd take the PFS room and they'd close it down, clean it up, and turn it into, like, an actual dining area. Mm-hmm. And there would be a big projector that would show images and stuff. And often Eric Mona and some other Paizo staffers would talk about all the releases and basically do what he did in his keynote this time right at the beginning. Uh, but it was this kind of big event. And oftentimes folks would dress up. Uh, you'd have like a Paizo staffer at every table. So you could, you know, hopefully sit with somebody uh, on the inside, so to speak. And it was always just a very festive event. Well, with... I'm just going to listen to this whole thing and edit it. Is it still recording? It is. Hey, look, it's recording. Well, with the COVID protections in place, they decided to just not have the banquet. And I think this is a pretty good way to do it. I am curious, and I'm yeah. curious what you think. Do you think in future years that are less plaguey, uh, we will end up having the banquet again with all the big announcements there? Or do you think they'll stick with this initial keynote format where they can spill all the beans at once and then everyone can be excited about them all weekend? I think part of the fun of PaizoCon specifically is getting to be with staff right getting to talk with them having direct access you know obviously you're you're not going to be able to sit with them for three days straight you know just talk jason bullman's ear off about whatever but Mm -hmm. you know you you can talk to them hang out with them play games with them in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. and the banquet was part of that you get to sit down if you want to talk shop with pathfinder or starfinder or games or whatever you can if you want to just like enjoy dinner and get to know someone in you know in a normal casual sort of way you can do that too but it, it's you know someone you know someone you might recognize and it's kind of fun it's a chance to sit with a celebrity or you know what you consider a celebrity um <laughs> someone who's usually inaccessible to someone who's inaccessible especially because a lot of cases you know some of these employees don't get onto the paizo message board or mm-hmm. go onto anything but streams like paizo live or, or, right. or panels and stuff like that so this is a chance to get to know them um, you know, maybe even talk them up and get a chance to get some work out of them if you're into <laughs> that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and, and the banquet, I think, was a real big part of that. Everyone really enjoyed doing that. I remember my very first PaizoCon excitedly thinking, oh, I know who I want to sit with. And I'm going to try to get in line very early so I can make sure I can sit with James Sutter. And I sat with James Sutter. Oh, very and cool. Worked out. And then next couple of years, I sat with Wes. And then People come to sit with me, I guess. And, you know, they sure do. And uh, yeah, cool. it's fun, fun, fun thing. And I don't think people, well, I don't know. I think people might just come do the banquet, whether or not they get spoilers. Mm-hmm. But it is a fun thing to sit around and like get excited for in a crowd as opposed to like at home watching it on your laptop, right? right? Yeah. Um, and you can participate in chat and stuff, yeah. but yeah, it, there is a definite difference to being in the room where it is being yeah. announced and hearing the collective gasp as people are like, they're doing what book? <laughs> and personally, I, at least, I, I would always get excited watching these people's reactions to, to things like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think 
losing out on that aspect would be kind of sad. I think we could do that. I think we would just have to be very mindful about we need to stagger the panels in such a way that like the big spoilers questions are dedicated to after that banquet. So we can have mm-hmm. like a here's how we make the rule books or right. or you know some the Q&A about you know how did you decide this and that on the rule books or answer my rules question Even, but then specifically yeah. on Sunday the day after the banquet dedicate like this is the rules spoiler uh panel right and we'll say we we're, we're going to spoil this at the banquet and then we'll talk about it at the Sunday panel yeah, I think that would be a really good format because you can front load a lot of the like Pathfinder Q and A, Secrets of Galarian, Secrets of Galarian. Can, can go yeah. before that, and then we can talk about the new AP afterward, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you have those sorts of. And I think that would be a good format because I I really like that collective uh, experience mm-hmm. of finding out all of the announcements. So speaking mm-hmm. of announcements, mm-hmm. uh, we should talk about what Eric Mona uh, told us in yeah. his keynote. Well, you ended up talking a lot about. Mm-hmm things that have already been announced sure. don't have as much detail just quite yet because of the way things work you know we've known about books like dark archive mm-hmm. and lost omens travel guide for a while right we just haven't seen them yet and that's what the keynote is all about showing off a little bit more mm-hmm. getting people excited for that as well as showing some new things that had never been revealed ever before he, he started off saying hey book of the dead came and went Great book, but let's move on. <laughs> um, and he talked about Dark Archive and gave us a look at uh, the new Iconics for those, which are really exciting. Um, the characters' names, I don't remember off the top of my head. I know the Thaumaturge is Mios. That's their name. Thaleon, I think, is the name of the psychic. Cool. Um, so we have a uh, elven psychic and um, non-binary human for a Thaumaturge. Exciting stuff. That's nice. Um, got some more details about, you know, hey, there's more options for these classes, mm-hmm. as can be expected. And then we got to see a little bit about what's coming in that book. Everything is broken up into major case files as they're being reported, mm-hmm. at, at least according to Eric. Uh, so they, they focus on specific things like cryptids or temporal anomalies or curses and things like that. And each of those is broken up in its own section. A couple or a number of pages that have new options, get you some weird details about some of these things in the setting. Right. And um, then give you an adventure, it turns out. Each of these case files has an adventure based around that kind of stuff. Each one has an adventure. Yeah, each of them has it. So they're all meant to be kind of one shot, one session kind of thing. Uh, that but is really interesting. They, they play with the options that are presented here. Uh, I wrote one of these adventures. I'm not going to go into full spoilers, but mm. my, my adventure makes use of mechanics that are introduced in that section. So it's exclusively showing off these kind of things, lets players play with them for a little bit, but also shows what enemies would look like with these kind of things and gives you a little taste of that, kind of like the adventure at book, uh, the end of Book of the Dead gave you a chance to play with these undead okay. slaying options. I'm going to have to start getting used to this format of like, we're putting an adventure in the rule books. And I don't know if that's going to be all the time because mm-hmm. Guns and Gears didn't have one, Secrets of Magic didn't have one. True. Um, and I don't expect... Um, I don't know if it'll work for every time, but this was a unique situation where I think James Case, who's the lead on that book, really wanted to give you, you know, ev- as much of a taste into every format possible uh, of each of these case files. Uh, and in addition to that, it also mentions that it has a lot of little one-page case files for extra little weird things scattered throughout uh, the setting. So that'll be fun. 
I am really looking forward to that. That sounds like a really interestingly put together book. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the two classes, Psychic and Thaumaturge, which one are you more excited about? I'm probably more excited about Thaumaturge. Me too. I think I am too. <laughs> <laughs> like, Psychic is cool. We have a lot of full tilt casters, and while the idea of using focus points to empower your spells which has totally never been done before by Legendary Kinetisys. Uh, even, even though I'm glad that it's hitting mainstream, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mainstream Paizo books, uh, that's, that's cool. I know the Thermaturge is just, is just such a cool idea. It, it takes, for me, what was the most interesting part of The Occultist uh, from first edition and brings it to second, and I really liked that sort of flavor, so I think this is going to be really fun. See, I have a much simpler answer. I'm not really... I'm less of a caster guy in general, so... Oh, I see. So Thaumaturge being the lesser of the casters between those two. I mean, there's some magic and stuff going on, but it's not a full-on caster. So, right. Oh, yeah, that, that's more exciting to me. But I'm sure I will absolutely love a psychic the moment I dive into it. Mm-hmm. So. All right, it looks like the next thing was a brand new book. <gasps> what? It's a book called Treasure Vault. And yes. if you've ever played Pathfinder and remember Ultimate Equipment, I, I think... I love Ultimate Equipment. I think this is Tui's take on Ultimate Equipment. It's just a bunch of gear and a bunch of magic items. And just Are you sure it's everything. not just going to be, like, gems and art pieces? Oh, that's and true. Like... <laughs> that is probably what it is. I mean, that's treasure. Right? Yeah, it's just... Every page is this gold coin came from Anderin. And it gives you a whole oh paragraph gosh. of it. And then this goes I on. honestly, I, I mean, that's the that's what the travel guide's going to be, basically, right? <laughs> yes, Here's what coins look like in Taldor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Which is actually actually super cool. Like, I make a little fun of it, but it's actually one of those things where, as an author, uh, I, I know I'm getting off subject a little bit, but as an author, I always wonder about things like, uh, so what is the weather there like? I'm supposed to write an adventure there. Should it be raining? Um, but anyway, sorry, uh, to get off topic, back to the Treasure Vault. I mean, Treasure Vault is a big book of equipment, and the from what I know about it, uh, it's a lot of cool equipment. It's, it's trying to fill in a lot of the uh, missing gaps in mm. equipment in places. So, you know, for example, filling out more levels of tattoos so you have more options to craft tattoos. That's cool. Um, trying to get more ancestries, weapons, mm-hmm. and stuff, because you know, some of them have like one or two and it'd be fun to have a bunch more yeah um and it's supposedly got a an overhaul or an upgrade or a redo or something for the crafting system yes i am very much looking forward to this this has been a big criticism of pathfinder second edition Mm -hmm. that crafting is essentially uh you can still buy the item it just takes you forever rather than just buying the item so I'm curious to see how they overhaul that system and make it more engaging and interesting as an option. Yeah, I, I literally don't know how the system works. I haven't, like, I, you know, I, I know some people at Paizo and I actually haven't taken a, a chance to look at these. So I, I'm excited, too. I like to keep things secret for myself in a lot of cases. So I'm excited for when that comes out. And there will be a lot of cool, fun stuff and... I mean, I don't know. There's not much else to it. There's a lot going to... There's a lot going to be... There's going to be a lot in there. But overall, as a book, it's, that's it. You know, big equipment book. Plus crafting. Plus crafting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alchemical items, all sorts of fun stuff in there. It, it, I think it'll do... I think it'll do for second edition what Ultimate Equipment did. In that when Ultimate Equipment came out for first edition... 
I felt like there's already a ton of items in the game. What could they possibly be in there that would be interesting? And then they, like, tripled the number of items. And they tripled the number of items. And then I was going back to it all the time. Like, I was surprised how yeah, many things was, in there. I was like, this, I, I need this in my game. It was a time. handy reference, too, because it included most of the items that had come out in the prior releases mm-hmm. as well. So just, oh, if I need to buy gear, I only need to look at Ultimate Equipment. I don't right. have to grab the rule book and APG and Ultimate Magic and so on and so forth. Uh, the next thing that was revealed at the panel was the Free RPG Day Adventure, which is a fistful of flowers. It's a Leshy-themed Free RPG Day. I think, wasn't that revealed before? It might have been, but like, you I know. I think we just saw a cover. We saw a cover. It, yeah. I think Free RPG Day themselves revealed it. Right. But we got some details here. So, And also, if, you don't, if you're not scouring every single spot on the internet for Pathfinder News, you might not be getting all of these. Uh, but yeah, Free RPG Day is a great little... Free RPG Day is a great little thing where uh, go to your local game shop, get uh, an adventure, and maybe you get a chance to play it with, with a group there. And this time around, you get to play as Leshies. That is so cool. I and it's written by Eleanor Farron and Linda Zayas Palmer, which mm-hmm. are the, like, the premier Leshy yes. <laughs> writers. Yeah, if, if anyone's going to write Leshies, it would be those two. And I'm, I'm really glad that they had the opportunity mm-hmm. to do that because I'm sure that was a passion project for them. Yeah, it looks super cute. And just the artwork is great. I'm sure it'll be just a goofy, fun time and a fun little one shot. So look forward to that. And once, I think a month after Free RPG Day comes out, you can get it for free yourself as a mm-hmm. PDF. So you don't have to even go track it down if you can't find a local shop for that or anything. I really hope that these Lushies, these, these adventure Lushies we're going to get, get the same treatment as the Weeby Goblins crowd mm-hmm. because they become little goblin celebrities. Yeah. And I would love to have, like, these are our iconic Lushies. Be like, yes. I'd love to see the uh, the Kobolds from Big Trouble and Little Absalom come back, too. Oh, yeah, that would be very cool. So, we'll just trade off Kobolds one year, Lushies the other year, and they just keep trading off. That'd be great. I'm sold. <laughs> Uh, next up were some Lost Omen things. Uh, specifically what? was, hey, wouldn't you know it, a couple of days ago, Knights of Last Hall came out. Fun book. Cool. Go check it out. Anyway, <laughs> what's next in Lost Omens is the travel guide. You know, yes. That, that book you mentioned earlier, the book mm-hmm. that um, Param has been trying to knock down our door to get for... 20 years at this point, maybe. Not 20 years. Ultimate NPC. Ultimate. I mean, travel guide. Yeah, so I think I've always told people... Uh, the travel guide is giving you information for everything but adventuring. Mm-hmm. So it's clothes, it's food, it's festivals, it's sports and other pastimes and stuff. And you got a chance to look at uh, a few images from the book, including a big spread of fashion that has you know two people with fashionable outfits, and it's pointing to different parts of the outfit. Like, oh, her scarf, and uh, his Right. His Notice pants. this detail here, and this detail. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Which uh, is going to be really cool. I don't know. As the person who helped make that book come to life, I'm always excited by details like that, and I hope a lot of other people are. I think it'll be great because one of the things that often happens, like as an adventure writer, mm-hmm. is you know we don't necessarily talk about fashion, or if we do, uh, or, or like architecture, or any of that. Mm-hmm. And if we do, it's usually in a really vague sense, right? This is in the Islanti style, which means what exactly? Um, or this is a high fashion outfit. Cool. What makes it high fashion? It's, it's expensive. 
<laughs> All right. Well, it's high fashion. We have no idea what that looks we like. We spent 50 GP on it instead of 5 GP on That's it. That's right. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to seeing those. And I think because this book exists, future adventures, future uh, podcasts, everything that dips into the lore of Galarian will have a lot more flavor to it. Because mm-hmm. now we know that it's like, oh, I'm, I've got the big collar and puffy sleeves. That's, you know very uh, uh fashionable in this portion of, of glarian and we'll know what that is rather than just being like i, I don't know do they have powdered wigs maybe yeah and unfortunately travel guide is as big as any other lost omens books it's not giving you a full deep dive as i think a lot of people would like but i think if it's one of those books that sells well i'm sure you can knock on eric mona's door and ask him for another one that's right more travel guide yes and then the big Lost Omens announcement, which if you looked at the website, was kind of already you know, revealed a little bit, but is uh, Lost Omens Impossible Lands. It's mm-hmm. another meta region of the setting. So we've had Mwangi Expanse and we had Absalom, and now we're doing Impossible Lands, which Very is, cool. once you know it, lining up pretty well with Outlaws of Alkenstar and Bloodlords. So, wow, what great timing. Oh my gosh, who could have guessed? <laughs> and. It's a, a huge book. I know that it's over 300 pages again, mm. just like with Manga Expanse. And we were shown a lot of beautiful artwork of cities uh, in Nex and Jalmarie and stuff like that. It's I keep having to say, I know you loved this book, but this other book that's coming out has even more gorgeous art. And I don't know if... I think that's just you being really excited about it. I am excited, but it's amazing how it's actually still pretty true in a lot of cases, right? You loved Ancestry Guide, but Mongi Expanse is really great. You love Mongi Expanse, but oh man, some of the stuff in the Impossible Lands, right? Yeah, wait till you get to Knights of Last Wall and all the Impossible Lands book. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all put out a really good line of books, and they do keep getting better and better. And I mean, part of that is probably just you and Elnor working more tightly as a team, perhaps. Uh, and I think some of the art stuff is just, you know, finding artists or, or the artists that you're working with getting more and more skilled. I don't know. Whatever it is, there's some magic in Lost Omens going on. And sure I'm is. excited for it. Uh, Lost Omens Impossible Lands notedly has a couple of new ancestries. Just like Mongi Expanse had some ancestries. Okay. Impossible Lands has some old ones coming back, like the Goran. You know, yummy, yummy Yum. <laughs> uh, It's got the. Are, are they are they are they sautéed in garlic and butter? Uh, you'll have to buy the book to find out. I'm sure. <laughs> um, okay. So we have Gorans, we have Venara, so the monkey based mm-hmm. monkey looking people, uh, Vishkanya, uh, Nagaji, uh, kind of reptilian snake like, and yeah. then there was uh, like a rhino. This is like a rhino person. There, That's cool. Uh, with a, If you look at their horn, their horn is made of like crystal or gem or something. And I know that they're psychic rhinos. <gasps> so that's something. That else. is really um, cool. If you've uh, checked out some of the back matter in the APs, one of them happened to feature an article on Vudra and mentioned rhino ancestry named Kashrishis, and that's what these are. So That is really good. neat. So something new for, for people and a lot of uh, old classics coming back. And I know that the design team worked uh, on a fair amount of uh, rules for for the the book as well to make sure that you're getting uh, a lot of cool stuff with this, a a nice good mix of rules and and lore with with the book. So it will be super cool. Look forward to Impossible Lands later this year. Well, when? I 
think it's November. I think <laughs> Later this year. Because I think Travel Guide is July or late August. Okay. Right around that. Then Impossible Lanes is going to be after it. Yep. A couple months after that. All right. Uh, I, few, I can try and wait. A few other things. There's special editions of Lost Omens coming. So if you wanted your nice, cool, fancy cover of Lost Omens World Guide to match your uh, core rulebook special editions. That is amazingly you cool. You can get those. It, this is the first the first Lost Omens special editions, right? Everything else has been designed team books. Yeah, it, it was just been rule books so far. So okay. Lost Omens are finally getting that treatment. They are That's so cool. They look very similar to the the rule books, except they're blue instead of red, hmm. so you can tell them apart. Uh, and honestly, I think the blue looks nicer than the red. Oh wow! Well. Yes, uh, <laughs> and I think the plan is kind of moving forward with uh, most Lost Omens book. They'll be day and date with. Uh, normal edition to get mm. those, but Paizo's working on kind of catching up, getting all the world guides and character guides into special editions, and eventually they'll, they'll all get caught up, and then they'll so cool. have lots of cool collector's editions of those, and just have the most collectinist edition bookshelf out there for Pathfinder. One thing that's kind of fun about that is, I know some folks are like very precious about their aesthetics, right? And so their mm-hmm. very game book looking games might be relegated to like, oh, that's the the you know the office of the game room or whatever. One thing I like about the the special editions though is they, they have a great aesthetic look. Yeah, they look and nice. If you're not like looking too close, it's almost like, oh, you have a, a row of very fancy books mm-hmm. on your bookshelf. Yeah. Um. So I think my wife will actually let me put them in the living room. Yeah, they so don't look. <laughs> they don't look like your typical nerd stuff. Right. There. Which is which. She doesn't want. It's, the living it's, room. Got, it's classy. <laughs> They're very classy. They're very classy. So uh, on the adventure side of things, abomination vaults. Is out now, fully compiled. Yes. All one giant tome, oh or one giant Foundry BTT module, if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it features an adventure by Jake James Jacobs, Jacobs. <laughs> and one by Stephen Randy McFarlane. Who's, yep. who's this last one? Guest of Honor, Vanessa Hoskins. What? Oh my gosh. I'm actually very excited for this. Um, they look really cool. I got to see them in the store, in the Paizo store. And uh, oof, I can't wait to get my author copy. Yes. Um, they look fantastic. Absolutely. Oh, and the VTT. I'm very excited about that, too. Um, for those of you who read the blog, you know that I run like a, an off-the-air, chill home game uh, for Ryan and some other folks. And uh, of Abomination Vaults, and we are a hundred percent, absolutely switching to the high class VTT module because it is over cool. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be a lot better. I've been using Narky's maps, which are going to be featured in the full product, or are featured, I should say, in the full product, and they're beautiful maps. Yes, they are. But I am. Uh, I struggle for time to have, like, really well-crafted tokens and things Mm. of that nature. And I'm really looking forward to all of that technical work being done for me. So I can just focus on running the game and not having to do all this extra extra technical prep. Uh, Because I already have the PDFs of the module, each book is only $7. So the whole adventure path is $21, which is absolutely worth it for the dozens and dozens of hours of time it's going to save me. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll be great, and I know a lot of people love that AP, so getting it into more people's hands is just going to be good, especially with the 5D uh, conversion coming uh, later this year, too. Yeah. That's cool. Speaking of big compilations, Kingmaker! Yes! Which has been in the works for a while, is off to the printer. It's done! Finally! It's going! It's going to happen! It just needs to be printed off and get back 
to ship out to everyone. So that's exciting. Big news. I have looked at that book. It is enormous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot going on. and you 640 will, pages, I believe. You will be set for years and years and years if you play through that campaign all the way through and are, you know, very thorough in your exploration and all that stuff. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of the original or if you're a fan of the video game or if you're just a fan of 2E and like good adventures, you, you're mm-hmm. kind of set with that. That is one that I I started, except the GM like changed the entire first chapter, and so by the time we got into kingdom building, it was already kind of weird. Um, I, I don't know, it, it didn't feel right to me, but because I think it was so heavily edited, but I I have wanted to play that again, and so I'm I'm kind of hoping I can find a game <laughs> of Kingmaker um, in the future, you know, once it ships and, and gets here. Yeah, so. By the fall or so, you'll probably sure. have so many options in terms of people getting their copies to, to play with. That's right. Someone let me play. Yeah. You'll, you'll have. I want to build a kingdom. No problem finding your group at that point. So, speaking of Adventure Pass, we were yeah. you know, talking about Outlaws of Alkenstar. That's ongoing. Fun times. Blood Lords is coming up after that. And then after Blood Lords, we have a three-part AP called Gatewalkers, mm-hmm. which is kind of spooky X-Files themed. Uh, it's uh, been, it talks about going outside of reality for some plane hopping and psychic stuff, weird, real offbeat things. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you know it happens to line up pretty well with the themes of Dark Archive. And they're coming out around the same time. Hey, look at that. <clears throat> Oh my gosh, Who it's almost like it? this was a big plan all along. Wow. Who could have foreseen this? But yeah, that's exciting. There's not too, cool. too many details on it, but I think weirder out there stuff sometimes is a, a really fun thing to, to stomp around in. And three parts seem to be doing well. Oh yeah, people love the three-part AP. Would you say this is like the, the Pathfinder 2nd Edition version of Strange Aeons in terms of the theme or... I think it is in that it's, you know, esoteric and weird and, mm. and offbeat, but it's it's it doesn't sound like it's Lovecraftian. It's oh, okay. Not cosmic horror, it's just aliens and curses and weird stuff going on. This is the same way that Dark Archive is. Not necessarily. Right. It, it includes a little bit of that, but it's not necessarily a full-on cosmic horror book. It's just a lot of weird supernatural stuff going on. Oh, okay. That should be interesting. One thing that's always been, I think, difficult for a lot of folks to wrap their head around, but you, Paizo completely pulled it off with Strange Aeons, is how do you put the weird in a world where magic exists and mm-hmm. is happening all the time? Um, where there are literal land sharks that are going to pop out and you know, eat you or something, like there's already a lot of weird and glary. And how do you how do you top that with something so strange it deserves its own adventure path? Yeah, and I think turns out just keep using a lot of weird monsters is is usually the answer. That's the answer. Yeah, right. Like they do weird things and, mm-hmm. and look really strange. And you can cast as many fireballs as you want, but they still crawl across the floor on eight legs and mm-hmm. two extra arms and freak you out the whole time. So, like, yeah. <laughs> that, that stuff is kind of fun. And I think one last bit of news, back to the AP compilation side oh. of things. There is another collected AP three-parter. It's the what? Fist of the Ruby Phoenix collected yes. edition. It's the, the three-parter that followed up after... Abomination Vaults mm-hmm. getting put together, so we get to see the adventures of David and Ross and James Case and Luis Loza. What? What? Uh, put together. <laughs> uh, I need to enjoy some 
Thank you. Some some uh, high action anime inspired fun uh, with with Chris and Ruby Phoenix all compiled into one hardcover book. And you know, hopefully, I don't know what the plans are, but hopefully that also comes with the BTT module and all, all the fun stuff that comes with that. I hope and so. Probably a cool new cover art and extra artwork and you know tweaks on, on balance and stuff like that to to make the definitive version of the AP. I sure hope so. I we just started a Fist of the Ruby Phoenix game, and we're having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But I think it would definitely help us all with there was a, a you know same as I was talking about with Abomination Vaults. Mm-hmm. Once you have that high quality VTT module, it just makes it so much easier sure. as a GM because you can just focus on the game, and it does have a lot of pop and flash and sizzle for uh, players who just really uh, get immersed in in the narrative. So. And that's all the Pathfinder news we had. There's a lot of Starfinder news, too, but I'm sure we'll be talking about that. Not we, you and I, but you know, the <laughs> network. You know, we'll talk about it on Beyond. On no Direction Beyond, so look forward to that as well. Over. One more thing I should point out, and, and this almost belongs in like a shout-out, but I, I think it counts. Sure. Uh, World for Combat and Battlezoo has been doing a lot of just big strides yeah, in yeah. third-party in the third party sphere for Pathfinder. And they had a really big announcement at the show. Uh, they announced that they're doing a new product uh, that is Eldemon. Eldemon, yeah. That is essentially like a, a combination of, of like uh, Avatar-esque elemental stuff and Pokemon uh, all mixed in with Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of an interesting take. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to, to learn too many details on it. Because you know I was here at the con work and con stuff, uh, but it sounds like it's uh, collect creatures mm-hmm. that happen to you know have the power of fire or water, very much like Pokemon. And then you know, there's a, an Eldemon trainer mm-hmm. class that you literally oh, collects them yep. and, and summons them and makes use of them in combat. Yep. Or there's the elemental avatar, which you know was Becomes born them. literally yep. with the power of you know the fire, the water, or. Right. In some cases, dark light, whatever the, the element is. Yeah. So. In, in a way, and we were, we were talking about this between uh, Stephen Glicker, Mark Seifter, myself, and and Jason Nelson from Legendary Games, mm-hmm. that with all these different elemental classes out there, you could almost do multiple different takes on an elemental class from various third parties mm-hmm. and still make an entire group, and they all have different functions, and yeah. they're all written fairly well, so they all have really good balance. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how that plays into the larger... Uh, third-party elemental character sphere. Uh, I'm I'm really interested in it because I love that sort of stuff. Uh, just all the elemental things, obviously. Um, and I'm also interested in the little pets. They're kind of adorable. Oh, I showed sure. some of the yeah. art, and they are the cutest darn things. <laughs> One of the things that they did that was sort of interesting is rather than like in Pokemon where you have to like capture them and force them to fight for you, like you know they were cockfights or something. Uh, they, you befriend the creatures, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's these elemental spirits that are actually, uh, ethereal mm-hmm. and you have to befriend them. And so they, they come with you willingly, like, like pets or, or something, uh, that, you know, mm-hmm. they like you, they could leave if they want, but as long as you're nice to them, they'll stick mm-hmm. around. Uh, but they have the ability to manifest in the physical world and transform into like battle forms, which are big and scary and cool looking. And uh, I've seen some of the art and it is <laughs> so and they're also going to have some sort of card game with it and stuff it is complicated as heck but anyway if you're interested i would definitely check that out over on uh, on their streams and yeah. their channels battle zoo always has at least 
you know, we're up to what three Kickstarters now. Mm-hmm. Each of them is so ambitious, so much stuff going on with them. Ambitious, but then But I mean, they they managed to, to pull through they 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 get it to the finish line and, and yeah. have a lot of cool stuff to, to act. It's not just like we promise we're gonna do this. No, they 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 have yeah. it. It's cool and you know, it helps to have Mark Seifter on the team to to, to get that stuff. Oh, it done. sure does. <laughs> Make sure it's all like balanced to Pathfinder and has good good rules that are, you know, clear and make sense. So yeah, I, I think it's gonna be very cool. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to to playing with it. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess this is the last event of PaizoCon. Yes, this recording this, this is, is the it. last this event. This is our last thing we're doing we're... at PaizoCon. You're looking to go home very yeah. soon. I am going to be heading home after we're done with this. So this is it. This is the end of PaizoCon mm-hmm. 2022. Uh, what kind of things do you think uh, we might see in the future for PaizoCon? Or what would you like to see in PaizoCons in the future? I mean, I want the banquet back. You want the banquet back. <laughs> When when I was asked to come to PaizoCon, I like at the time we didn't know that there wasn't going to be a banquet, mm-hmm. and I rushed out and bought uh, the fancy red dress I'm actually wearing right now because uh, <laughs> I'm like this is really nice. I'm going to wear this to the banquet, and then they're like there is no banquet. I'm like oh well, I'm just going to dress really over the top every day. Sure. Um, so, but I'm looking forward to the banquet coming back because that is really a staple mm-hmm. of PaizoCon. It's it's something that makes it feel more more like PaizoCon. Um, I'm just really hoping the world is in a place that makes it safe for more people to come and enjoy the event. Um, Because even though Saturday was a little busier, I did miss that feeling of like a whole building of people just everywhere, all playing Pathfinder all at once. Wherever you you went, if you really wanted to, you could grab three other people and have a game going pretty much at any moment. You know, drop of a hat kind of good gaming group mentality. I don't know, as I'm, I'm in a, an interesting position where I went to PaizoCon for five years and then joined up and next mm-hmm. year will be my fifth PaizoCon. No. No, technically this is my fifth PaizoCon. So I've done five PaizoCons as Yay. an employee, five as a fan. <clears throat> and, you know, it's been different every time, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but, I don't know, I think maybe depending on how many people want to continue doing the the in-person experience. Maybe we could see PaizoCon moving to a different venue that's a little more accommodating for for the smaller group of people that would actually be showing up in person at that time, but still keep it like that cool, intimate little little thing, Um, but not necessarily make it so you have to like worry about well, there's actually two other conventions going on and we're going to run into mm-hmm. other people and I have to drive at the far edge of town and all this other stuff. And the hotel is next to only these four food options and stuff. Oh, and right. You can maybe find something a little nicer in terms of uh, you know, accessibility for people. And, you know, yeah, who knows? And people still have to fly across the country to, to get here. I was going to say, one of the nice things about this is it is literally down the street from the SeaTac airport. Uh, this is my third PaizoCon, and on the very first one, I didn't know that there was a hotel shuttle, because I am not smart sometimes. I just, it didn't occur to me. And I was like, you know what, I'm not gonna, you know, get a cab or whatever, I'm just gonna walk. And I did, I just, I walked with my suitcase, like, several blocks, and mm-hmm. then I was here, and it wasn't a big deal. So I think the fact that it's so close is also a, an attractive option. That, that is true. But I would be willing to, to look at another venue, especially if there are more food options, because there are very few here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would be willing to look at somewhere else. Yeah, cool. who knows? Mix it up. 
who knows what will happen next year. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff to work out there. They have sure. to start planning very soon anyway. Uh, but I'm sure the other things that they're planning right now is Gen Con. Mm-hmm. That's next on the list, I'm sure. Next on the list. And all right. we'll have its own announcements and all that fun stuff, and we'll get to talk about it in mm-hmm. a couple months. And we'll cover it then. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on No Direction. I'm Vanessa Hoskins. And I'm Luis Loza. And if you need to find the path, you need No Direction. <laughs>